Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, today's message is called From Doubt to Life. You know, growing in faith is a lifelong process. For most of us, doubt is part of the process, even if we don't want it to be part of the process. Who wants to be a doubting Thomas? Nobody's going to raise their hand on that one. But we struggle with that. And so as we dive into this word about doubt, working our way to faith and then to life, I pray that this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus. And if you're listening to us via podcast, we're so glad you joined us. Now, have you personally ever felt doubt or struggled with doubt in your life? Have you ever been left feeling so defeated that you weren't sure you were going to make it? Have you ever felt like you were losing all of your hope? I imagine there might be one or two, or most of us, if we're honest, who could say, I can relate to those kinds of questions and situations. And today, as as we look at this, we're going to see that the disciples, they too struggled in a very similar fashion with this whole issue of doubts. Now think about it. They went to the parade where Jesus got a ride on a donkey and everybody said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Then a few days later, they hear him, crucify him. I don't know about you, but I'd be raising an eyebrow. Then they see that he gets arrested and then convicted back and forth from Herod and Pilate and all this mess. And then he dies on the cross. Can you imagine what Saturday must have been like? We don't preach about Saturday. We go from Friday to Sunday. Have you ever lived in a Saturday where you're so scared, you're hiding behind locked doors, praying nobody saw you go into the house? Because they're afraid because these were the disciples. And they went after the master. They're going to come after us. And they're going to come after my wife. And they're going to come after our kids. And their doubts. And they're scared. And there's chaos. But I saw the miracles. But he's dead. But I don't understand. He walked on water. But he's dead. I saw him. Can you hear the disciples saying, was Jesus wrong? Had had Jesus lied to all of us? Was, Was he just another false prophet? And I got caught up in the mess. Have you ever had thoughts like that? Is this whole Christianity thing just a farce? Is it real? 
I mean, if you get on social media, you're going to find out there's no other organization like the Christian faith that is more attacked than any other organization on the planet. You could be a terrorist and they'll celebrate you and say the Christians are the worst on planet Earth. Isn't that strange? Maybe I should have a doubt about everything. I mean, this is all backwards. Maybe, maybe I'm, what I'm doing is just, I got it wrong, and maybe they're all right. Hello? Do you have secret doubt? Have you ever had doubts about the reality of your faith and eternity? Or about the words of Jesus? The truth is spiritual growth, maturity, and faith are really nothing more than a lifelong process. You're not going to figure it out in a week or a month or a year. It's going to be a lifelong endeavor. I'm still figuring things out. Now all that to say, the move from doubt to faith to life can be a powerful one. And in John chapter 20, as we're going to get into, it's there that we get a front row seat while the earliest disciples, they too had to make their move from doubt to faith to life. And then as they had made that, can you believe it? Jesus Christ himself gives them a commission. We call it a great commission. Then to take that information, the gospel, this incredible task of going throughout all the world and sharing the good news. And then they were to task those who came to Christ that they brought to Jesus. Just like you and me today. Matter of fact, how many people have you brought to Christ? See, that's not the responsibility of the pastor. That's the responsibility of each and every believer. Why? I can only one a thousand, but two ten thousand. Can you imagine when you get ten? How about a hundred? Can you imagine? It wouldn't take anything to see the world come to Christ if the body of Christ decided to do its job. It's a powerful passage, this John 20. And, and, and it's not only amazing by itself, but it has present day applications for us. So let's jump into it. Let's look at verse 19 and 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. See, they were living in tyrannical times. There was no justice. Doesn't that sound familiar? Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. All of a sudden, so it's a locked place. And all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up and says, Hey, guys, peace be upon you. I don't know about you, but that would get my attention. If somebody just showed up in the room and no doors opened or closed, and it was a closed room, and he's just there dead center, and you're like, what just happened? In the confusion, in the aftermath of Jesus' death, the disciples find themselves locked up 
scared and isolating themselves. You see, that happens when you get doubt because doubt goes into depression and fear. You know what happens when you get in those kind of emotions? You isolate. You don't go to church. You don't hang out with friends. You don't go to Legacy Builders or the Men's Life Journal. You, you don't go to the women on Tuesdays. When you're struggling with these things, you push fellowship away from you. You lock up because you're afraid. And that's what the enemy wants to do today. They're scared. They literally don't know what to do. And it doesn't appear that they know Jesus had already revealed himself to some of the others. That's when Jesus enters the room and right into their fear, right into their chaos, right in the middle of all their doubts. And then he blesses them with peace and with joy. In the middle of their trauma, he blesses them with peace and with joy. See, fear keeps you from faith. You ever catch that? You know, the, there's a lot of scholars that say there's 366 fear not, so to speak, throughout all the scriptures. One for every day of the year and then one for leap year. That God realized we would need that many fear nots. Why? Because when I fear, I make bad choices. When I fear, I don't step out in faith. When I fear, I say ugly things. When I fear, my head goes around in a circle. I look weird. See what fear does? It messes with you. That's why he says, don't fear. Matter of fact, one of my, my favorite fear not type verses in Isaiah 41, verse 10. And, and here it says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. It's like when the little child's scared. And the lightning and the thunder from the storm is hitting the house. Ah, and the light flashes into the house and they're scared. And little Susie runs into the bedroom. I need to sleep with you guys. No, go to your bed. God will be with you. Jesus will be with you. Big boom again. She comes running back in. I need to do this. No, go back to bed. Go back. Jesus will be with you. Third time. Finally, she had it. She says, I need a Jesus with skin on him. <laughs> Scoot over. And she climbed into bed. See, because there's something about knowing your father is with you. Yeah. See, when you know dad's there, when you know Abba, when you know your father God is right there, it gives you the confidence to stand and to take on the storm because you're not doing it alone. Fear not. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It's almost as if God knew we would need to hear his compassionate reassurance day after day. We need it just as much now as the believers did thousands of years ago. And surely just as much as those 
meeting together in that locked room there in John chapter 20. See, after the death of Jesus, the Jews became even more aggressive. They were now seeking anybody who sympathized with Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus claiming to be the Christ. They wanted to find those followers and they wanted to deal with them. Beat them, throw them in jail, and maybe even execute them. It was a scary time. Their fear of what others would do to them kept them from literally trusting the words of Jesus. Trusting what God had said. Doesn't that happen today? When the circumstances in life hit so hard, like it's a thunderous hurricane, and you're like, I'm so scared by the circumstances, I can't remember that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That I can put on the armor of God and withstand anything of the wiles of the enemy. See, if we're not in the word, we're not going to recite the word. And when we need it is when the storm comes. I'll tell you, the storm never tells you it's coming. So we have to be ready in and out of storm season. Because we don't know when the storm of life is going to hit hard. You may recall from both in Hebrews chapter 11 and also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that faith is about believing. Even when you can't see or perceive what's actually going on. I don't know about you, but I would love to be able to see what's going on in the invisible world. Hello? Right? Want to see it. Make it a whole lot easier. But you know what? Faith says, I'm going to believe even when I can't see. See, most of us are nothing more than doubting Thomas. We just don't want to say it out loud. I'll believe it when I get to see it, when I get to touch it, when I get to feel it, then I'll know. And that's just how we are. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Catch this last part. The evidence of things not seen. Louis Pasteur was a great doctor of yesteryear, and he was the first guy to say, you know what? We work on and do surgeries on these guys, and then while our hands are still full of blood, just like we were dealing with cattle, we go to the next patient, and we start doing surgery, and we never cleaned up. He says, I got an idea. I think there's something in the invisible world that we can't see in the natural world. So why don't I go to the sink and take some soap and wash my hands and get all the blood off. And then I'll go to patient number two and do surgery there. Then wash my hands with soap and water, get all cleaned up and go to patient three, four. You get the idea. They called him a lunatic. Now we would think, how dare you consider not scrubbing up for surgery? Louis Pasteur, he dared to believe that there was an invisible world that impacted the natural world. And folks, there is an invisible spiritual world. Just because you can't see evil doesn't mean it's not there. And just because you may not see it, there is the kingdom of light that is so powerful, it overtakes the kingdom of darkness each and every time. 
So in 2 Corinthians, it says, for we live by believing, not by seeing. Now let's go to John chapter 20. And here's where we get introduced to, to Thomas. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, he replied, like some folks today will say Marvin, okay? Why would you name your kid Marvin? I just don't understand. <laughs> Whatever, Lord help me. I did ask dad that before he passed and he had no good answer. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, and this time, Thomas was there. Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. He's into this peace stuff. He was way before the hippies. You know what I'm saying? Peace. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. And then Thomas said to him, put your hand into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. I love Thomas's reaction. My Lord and my God. You know, this is the very first time Thomas gets to be the very first one to ever say that he is Lord and God, both together. The one we call the doubting Thomas gets to say, my Lord and my God. Now, Jesus is now going to begin to start to speak to you. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's you. That's me. That's the grandbabies. That's their grandbabies. That's their grandbabies' grandbabies. In this section, we're introduced to Thomas, who has all these doubts about whether or not Jesus actually rose from the dead, that he had resurrection power. And when Thomas is told by the other disciples that Jesus is back, he essentially says, unless I can see him for myself and I get to touch it and feel it, ain't happening. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. What have you guys been drinking? Some kind of weird Kool-Aid? See, it's easy to see Thomas's response, and it's easy to want to judge Thomas here. We all want to judge Thomas. But the truth is, Thomas is just like many of us, if we're honest. Thomas was just being real. Thomas had doubts. So do many of us. But for Thomas, Jesus answered his doubts personally in his living room. And in verse 26, we read that Jesus returned 
with blessing his disciples with peace. But for Thomas, Jesus offered that immediate evidence he needed regarding his doubts. Showing him his hands. Showing him his side. He has this gentleness about him, this kindness that he offers Thomas. Do you know that he's offering you the same gentleness, the same kindness? And he says to the rest of us, in a very, very specific way of encouragement, he says, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Wow. Blessed. You know what blessed means? It means favored one. Wow. So let's go to verse 30 and 31, the same chapter, John 20. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. For us, we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Ever do those trust walks, put the blindfold on and somebody can't touch you and, and you have to walk them through a little obstacle course? Anybody run full speed on those with the blindfold on? No? I would love to see it happen just once. The truth is, we have to be willing to slow down. Because we can't see everything. I can't see tomorrow or next year. But if I slow down... The Holy Spirit can guide me wherever I need to go so that I don't run into obstacles. All you have to do, slow down your heart. Slow down. Doesn't mean not do anything. It just means go slow enough that you can make the correct adjustment when spoken to. Amen? Thomas and the disciples, they had all these same struggles. But one of the things they had to remember was what Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I know sometimes life can be so bizarre, and we kind of feel like, have you ever heard somebody, you know, not you, but somebody next to you, right? Or maybe that person in the mirror saying, where are you, God? Where were you, God? Or, or like I just preached a few weeks ago, why, God? Right here, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And then he says, and I will always be with you to the end of the age. 
It's like the story of footprints. Remember it? Two sets of footprints going through his life. He could always see one of Jesus and one of himself. But when he went through that season of really dark times, real hard struggles, he goes, Lord, where were you? Why did you leave me? Why was there only set of one set of footprints during that hard, hard time? You abandoned me, God. Anybody hearing this? What does Jesus say next? That's when I carried you, my son. Child, that's when I carried you. Amen? Does that make sense to you, John? Lord, I just pray right now for John. I just pray that you bless him. Lord, I sense in this message is speaking to him. I pray you fill him with your great power and your love. Let him know that God's saying there is a new day. This would be a brand new season. It's going to be the greatest season of your life. And God's going to increase every dimension of your life, including a career and the finances. Relationships are going to be restored. New ones are going to be made. And God says there's significance and there's purpose and there's power in the name of God. Be free, spirit, soul, and body. Does that make sense? Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. It says in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Folks, it's through faith that we, that you can move from doubt to faith to life. For many of us, doubt is a secret part of our Christian story. And Jesus isn't scared away because you have doubts. He's not bothered because you're upset that you don't understand something and you're mad. He isn't threatened by your questions. Jesus doesn't get all defensive when we push back on something we don't understand. To the contrary, I believe that this passage teaches us that if you're like Thomas and you have doubts, that Jesus just shows up and says, hey, put your hand right here, bud. Check this out. Put your hole all the way through. Let's have some fun with this, Thomas. My Lord and my God. You catch that? I may not get all the answers to all my doubts, but it doesn't mean I don't go try and do something. I may have doubts. I don't understand the phone. Can anybody here create a phone by, by hand and make a phone? No, but you use one every single day. Why is that? You don't know anything about putting a phone together, but you use it. Everybody loves these things. We take these remote controls and we use them every single day. Power. Give me my remote. And you can't even make one. You barely can put the stupid batteries in the thing. But you use something you don't understand. 
I may not understand everything about God, but it doesn't mean I don't need to use my Christian life, be a part and engage in my Christian life. I'm hypocritical if I say stuff like that because everywhere else in my life I'm using things I don't understand. Do you have doubts? Jesus says, peace be with you. Do you have frustrations? Jesus says, peace be with you. Are you discouraged? Jesus says, peace be with you. Are you tired and weary and fatigued? Jesus says, peace be with you. Are you overwhelmed by the chaos and the complexities of our world? And Jesus says, say it with me, peace be with you. Jesus meets you head on and offers hope, offers mercy and grace, offers eternal life with him in heaven. And it's because of Jesus that we can move from our doubts to faith to life. So what are we to do with the life that Jesus has left to us? You might find it interesting today to hear about all that we learned about doubting Thomas. But did you know what they tell us about the rest of his life after seeing the resurrected Jesus? It said that not only was he the first one to say, Lord and God, but tradition holds, tradition holds, that Thomas went on to evangelize the Far East, being named the Apostle to India. It's hard to know how far reaching his evangelistic efforts were, but we do know that Thomas died in India as a martyr. To the faith he so vehemently proclaimed and believed in. He was bold. He was confident. He was full of faith. A very different picture than the man who says, Unless I see his hands and put my finger through the hole and into his side. Now he's, I don't care what you do to me. I'm screaming Jesus. Through the life of Thomas and the other disciples, we can see that doubt and fear and discouragement aren't necessarily things to hide from or to be embarrassed about. They're, they are real feelings that real people have, and the real Jesus has the answers for if you're willing to seek his face. He'll show you. And he'll offer you his peace and his joy. We bow your heads. Father, we love you. And we come before you. Lord, we've all had doubts if we're honest. We've all struggled with this question or that question. But Lord, 
If there's anybody in this room today that is really struggling with something, would you right now just fall fresh on them? Would you encourage them to reach out to family or to friends or the pastor and say, hey, I need some help with this because I want to be set free from this struggle. I know Jesus is real, but I, I don't know what to do with my doubts. And we could watch Jesus do a miracle and watch a person go from doubt to faith to life. Lord, I pray your blessing be upon your church today. Bless them as they all gather together this Labor Day weekend. And, and may we just lift up the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. And we all say this in your holy name. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.